Okay, I think we're going to get going here tonight. So um, I'll call the meeting to order the regular town council meeting of February 22nd, uh, called to order at 5.03 uh, p.m. And uh, looking at the agenda, any um, additions or deletions? Uh, there are none, um, Deputy Mayor. Okay, Mr. Good. I had one uh, question. I, I did notice that on the agenda, there's no discussion of the um, business support things that we were discussing. I was wondering if it would be possible to get a, a verbal report later on on that. Uh, we um, will be discussing that issue. Uh, we will be going in camera on that. Uh, there, there's uh, things having to do with the agreements that we're looking at. Okay. Would someone like to move the approval of the agenda? Uh, Mr. Ford, all those in favor, or I forget if we're doing in favor or opposed here, but anyways, it's carried. Okay, we have the minutes of February 8th, regular council meeting. Anyone have anything to note there that should be looked at or changed? Otherwise, a motion to accept. I did review them, uh, Deputy Mayor, and I would move the minutes of uh, February 8th. Great. Uh, any discussion? Okay, all those in favor? Uh, it's carried. Thank you. Uh, public hearings? Mr. Parker, none? We, we have none. Okay, uh, presentations? Deputy Mayor, we have no presentations tonight. Okay, so we're at section six, uh, item one, a briefing note with respect to cemetery break-even costs. And uh, Mr. Town, you are leading this, are you? Yes, Mr. Town will be leading it, yeah. Yeah, as soon as I find the unmute button. <laughs> and then go to the proper report. Um, so thank you, Deputy Mayor, and good evening, Council. Um, before you, and this is before you get into the discussions around um, the upcoming rates and fees bylaw, um, this is something that you may want to consider and was discussed at um, our last and maybe even the previous council on um, what are kind of the break-even costs for, for the cemetery. Um, so staff just prepared a dirty analysis on this. Um, and then if you want to consider it and as part of the rates and fees bylaws, you could, um, you could do that if, if so agreeable. Um, and we're kind of looking at this at the perpetual um, costs at the cemetery. So most of the costs that are already there in terms of um, uh, burial costs or um, uh, costs for, I can't even think what the costs are now, so you have to excuse me. Um, um, they're, they're fixed costs. So, you know, they take staff time, staff equipment to go and do those. Um, and we already get cost recovery on, on those types of costs. So really what we're looking at here are the perpetual care costs um, and or the plot charge, which, which um, could be uh, amended also to, to achieve the same thing. Um, but as we did this, there's a couple of assumptions that we've made. The first assumption is um, it's important to note that about 70% of the existing cemetery footprint has been used to date. So there's about 30% of the 
the land available, and that's through the generation of additional rows. Um, um, doesn't the, the footprint could also be enlarged? That's sort of an additional cost or or method to do that. But um, so knowing that there's about thirty percent less, that goes into one of the the options or recommendations that comes at the end of this. Um, we also, when we did the analysis, um, it's reasonable to share where we're sharing now that the cemetery costs are a bit higher than what I had expected. Um, because when we do our budget book and we do break this down by sub department, we show average operating costs at the cemetery of about $7,600 per month. Um, when we asked about the, the green space and the green space contract we have, um, and this is about 15% of that contract cost, that's about $40,000 per year um, of green space costs that were allocated or should be allocated to the cemetery. And just as a really quick number, um, estimated annual operating costs of about 2,000 a year, which means you do about $10,000 of work every five years. And again, just want to reiterate that this is kind of a dirty analysis because if you do stuff like columbariums, um, you could you could change your fees to generally get cost recovery for that. Um, so you know how many spaces you have in a columbarium, you know how much you need to recover. So you could kind of manage that separately. But in terms of the the cost at the cemetery right now, they're they're over fifty thousand dollars per year. Um, so since this is the perpetual care business and we are getting monies up front to um, incur a liability, in this case, a maintenance type liability over um, you know, forever, I guess, um, we need to insure, not insure, but just will be willing to know how much um, you know, what, what cost recovery could look like. And, um, you know, also acknowledge that um, we're in the subsidization business. We subsidize a lot of activities and services as it is. Um, recreation, for example, not to throw those services under the bus are highly subsidized with tax rate or tax revenues. Um, other social services, library, museum, et cetera. Um, Planning departments, finance departments, you know, they're all somewhat at least subsidized by tax revenue. So they don't, they don't um, make their money back off of their, their own activity type revenues. So when we looked at this, um, we did it over a hundred year horizon, which is both a long time and probably not long enough as it is, because as I mentioned, this is perpetual. Um, however, we had to stop and um, that could be a future problem for um, council, the next 25 councils or, or whatever, however you want to look at that. Um, but as is, in looking at our current costs, our current revenues and our current space at the cemetery, um, it, it's a fairly significant um, net cost to the town of Again, as an estimate, about $7 million over a 100-year window, um, or 70000 a year on average. So we took current rates 
um, expenses, inflated them fairly moderately at 1%. Um, traditionally, expenses go up higher. Um, and then we had our existing revenues and inflated them at about 2.5%. And the issue here is we run out of space in about 40 years based on the existing footprint. So our revenue options would dry up at that point and we'd have you know, 60 years of operations after that without any revenue to offset. So, and that's the current scenario and that's under scenario one of the report and I'm on page two um, of the report um, for your information. The second scenario that we, we parsed out was looking at a full cost recovery. And again, I'm not suggesting this, I just wanted council to know um, what it would look like. And in this case, based on the availability of lots um, and the, um, the ability or the, the revenues that would be needed to be able to pay this in perpetuity, um, you'd have to increase your perpetual care cost by almost a thousand percent. So from 250 up to $2,400. Um, I think we all realize it or should realize that if you do that, that would blow up your revenue model because um, you wouldn't have very many people um, be willing to pay that type of pricing and they'd look for other options, whether within the region or, or whatever, whatever those might be. And under this model, what you need to do is you need to generate enough money where the interest you generate off of that balance of money will pay for your expenses over time. So if you think your retirement and it'd be nice to be able to live off of your investments, this is a similar type concept. The third scenario is a cost recovery going forward. So we're basically looking at this and saying, well, what happened in the past happened in the past. Those revenues and those expenses that have been incurred in the land that's been used now it's a sunk cost or sunk activity. Um, and if you want to extinguish those operating costs, um, the change to the perpetual cost fee is not so drastic, but it's still pretty significant. Um, it would be a need to increase from $250 up to, um, and again, as an estimate, about $529, um, and then reviewed going forward. It's uncertain what this would do for current um, revenues or activities at the cemetery. If, again, people would look elsewhere, if your number of um, burials would go down, that's why I said have to be reviewed. But what this would do is, um, if it doesn't change your revenues, and you still, we, we have about 35 um, burials there a year on average, and this is like a five-year average. Um, then um, you would recover, or get cost recovery for the 30% of your cemetery and then um, have to basically subsidize the other 70% uh, going forward. So staff wanted to present the information to let council be aware. Um, there isn't a, this is a briefing note, there isn't a recommendation um, or even how council would want to tie this into the upcoming rates and fees bylaws um, is uncertain, but we did want to pass along this information. I will also say that having just received this, you know, maybe council needs more information. You can still proceed with the rates and fees bylaws and we can bring it back at any time, whether it's a month, six months, a year from now, 
for further review, but you know, we're just bringing this information forward. Um, it's kind of a good exercise to do anyway. It's indicative of most of our services. Um, and again, it's just what, what's council's appetite to um, consider or, or you know, want, want to do anything about um, this type of information or, or costs. Thank you. Um, well, there's lots of detailed numbers in there for sure. Um, some of the percentage increases to break even for the perpetual um, are rather startling, but um, I guess when you think of the future, 100 years from now, um, if the graveyard lasted more than 40 years because, I don't know, uh, cremations became more the thing and people you adjusted the sides of the plots or something like that, this would change that as well, would it not? It would. So, you know, I don't know what cemetery technologies will be coming in the future, um, you know, but yes, the, the smaller um, spaces that are able to be used um, would extend the um, ability to generate revenues. And I hate saying it this way, but it's probably the, the cleanest way of saying it. Um, over, over the existing footprint. So yes, if, and it was a little tricky to do this analysis because I did an inflationary or an adjustment for columbarium and, and um, other types of burials, cremation burials, um, you know, but if that becomes more the norm, then the financial situation is a bit more improved and your perpetual care cost um, would go down so long as we're still you know, seeing the same um, use out there from a revenue perspective. Um, Councillors, Mr. Needham. Greg, maybe, uh, well, let me throw the question out. So is, is, is there land available to expand the site or is that more of a gym question? Uh, you talked about 35 burials a year. Um, so you know, are we, are we going to end up buying land from the province of Alberta or the county of Northern Lights down the road? Is that? Uh, no, we do own the land to the immediate north of the cemetery, which uh, leaves us some room to expand in that direction. Okay, so there's no no future capital cost in terms of buying more land, and we're no not other than just kind of stripping the trees back and kind of uh, doing some grading work in there. That's about the extent of it and maybe a little bit of fence work in there. And just one final question. So over time, there's been row markers and, and well, the parking lot and the stonework that's been done on yeah. the cemetery. I, is that just been part of the 70,000? Like, I don't actually recall a, a capital budget being approved for any of that stuff. It, it was a just sort of done as regular maintenance at the cemetery? Yeah, that... the, uh, the cement runners, we've been normally just handling that under the operational uh, budget. So it, basically it's covered off into there uh, because right. since we do our own form work uh, and it's just the cost of concrete, it's just uh, inside our operating budget to, to complete that work. Well, and just a final call, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with moving up the care number, but uh, yeah, I I don't know if I'd be jumping it up to five hundred dollar limit, but uh, yeah, Andrews Director yeah. Town was stating I think that the the big part that we're looking at this year was just how we're treating 
the green space fees, uh, where they, those weren't covered off under our operating budget uh, for the cemetery previously. But uh, is I think that's where Director Town was kind of looking at uh, more, you know, what impacts that has overall on the cemetery. And again, just to let council know that if we do allocate those costs there, that these are really the annual operating costs. Um, and they should, we should attempt to recover some or all of them under our perpetual care costs. Mr. Good? Well, this can't be, we can't be the first community in Alberta that, that is facing this. Um, I'm wondering if there's any way of um, approaching AUMA or, um, you know, the, the rural municipality RMA and ask, you know, putting the question out, how have other municipalities dealt with this? Because, I mean, it's been a lot of towns have been around for a hundred years. A lot of them started around that time. I mean, there must be other towns that are coming up with the same situation or maybe they're in a similar situation that we are that somebody finally asked, you know, one day said, oh, I wonder what, or I wonder if, and I mean, I think that's where we kind of were when this first came up is, I wonder what this looks like. So I'm just wondering if there's any way of reaching out to those organizations and seeing if we can get some information from the other municipalities. We could reach out and grab that level of information. I suspect that most places haven't done this level of work and are probably satisfied to um, subsidize at whatever level they're doing now. Yeah. I think that's the short answer, but there might be others who have taken a more serious look at it. Well, yeah. the short answer is I just did the quick numbers and over a hundred years is $80,000 a year. And even if you manage to do the revenues spread over a hundred years, you're looking at a difference of about $70,000 a year, roughly. Yeah. Ballpark. So it's a $70,000 ongoing expense. Um, you know, as they say, forever and, and ever. Um, and that doesn't take into account inflation, changing fees, you know, increasing fees, whatever. That's basically using today's numbers going forward. So um, it's, it's kind of like, in, in a way, it's kind of like a, a standard infrastructure deficit. It, it's a real thing that, ha that does impact you. Yeah. I mean, we spend hours and hours and hours talking about $75,000 donate, you know, funding in a certain area of our budget. We'll spend hours trying to deal with that. And so I'm just wondering, there, there may be somebody who's come up with another number and maybe it is, you know, rethinking how burials go forward. I mean, it can be any number of different things. I just want to know if there's any other creative ideas. If there aren't, there aren't, but we yeah. should at least get, I think, explore it. So no, we can explore that. I was just going to uh, comment, Deputy Mayor, that uh, one of the things we, we did do a comparison across different municipalities as to cemetery fees, but one of the things that did uh, become evident is just the difference between private cemeteries and municipal cemeteries, and where private cemeteries are definitely cost recovery uh, plus, uh, and that's why you see such a, a difference in uh, the level of fees, but also the, the level of service that those cemeteries provide. Okay, Mr. Good, do you want to uh, put forth a motion or anything or where are you at? 
I think right now it's it's just more of a question. I don't think we're, I mean, we could make a motion to direct administration to reach out to other, sure, I'll make a motion. Let's have a motion that administration reach out to other municipalities or other municipal organizations to see if they have any advice going forward regarding cemeteries. Okay, um, administration, is that clear enough for go forward? And uh, about these fees here, um, council is not interested in uh, adding anything in for perpetual care or? That would come under the bylaw, not this discussion. Yeah. Plus, I think maybe we might need more time. So when, as more information comes back, because it's on the fee schedule, like you guys say, it's easy to revisit and stuff. So I, no rush. Well, all I can say is I'm very glad we don't live in Hong Kong. Uh, their prop, their lots there are $532,000 uh, for a burial plot. If you ever want to Google something really interesting, but anyway, okay, yeah, I think that's uh, good okay. for us. We can, we can get some info. May I just read um, Councillor Good's re uh, resolution to confirm it with Council? Yeah, I have uh, moved to direct administration to consult with other municipalities with regard to establishing fee structures for cemeteries and perpetual care. Was that your intent, Councillor? That works. Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Opposed, uh, no, looks like it's carried. Thank you. And so we're leaving the rest of the discussion till that happens, I guess. Okay, so the next uh, one, we have bylaw um, for 20, the bylaw 2084 for fees and charges bylaw. And who's speaking? to this. You know, let uh, Director, Director Bell kind of kick this one off. I'm just grabbing the information. Um, your deputy worksheet, I don't think that works actually. It's deputy mayor, sorry, and council. <laughs> the report before you is in regards to an adjustment to our fees and bylaws charges. Um, this bylaw regulates all of the town's operating fees, any revenues that uh, we generate, and annually it is reviewed and updated. Um, within the report this evening, there is a section under the Community Services Department that we focus specifically on the pool. We've actually discussed this in 2020, and these were the intended fee rates for um, the new admission rates at the pool. We held off making that change due to COVID. It just didn't make any sense because we were closed for a good chunk of the year. However, um, we're trying to be hopeful in 2021 and look to make these adjustments in this fee and bylaw this year. So the only changes that we made to the community services department was specifically the pool admission fees and subsequent passes, um, monthly passes, yearly passes, as the admission fee is adjusted. So these particular fees were reviewed by the Community Services Board in 2020, and again this fall, just reiterating and reaffirming uh, their support for the adjustments and changes. We've also discussed this during budget, uh, pre-budget discussions with Council in a very preliminary format. And the rest I'll pass on to Director McQuaig for his portion. 
So under uh, engineering infrastructure uh, changes, uh, basically the large introduction this year is going to be on the uh, cemetery fees that have uh, been taken out of the cemetery bylaw and now included here under the fees and charges bylaw. So those ones as discussed are now included there uh, with the changes as uh, discussed uh, at our last meeting. So the uh, so there's uh, the one change that has gone into there, and like I said, we've uh, haven't changed anything under perpetual care, and we'll leave that portion uh, for consideration once the administration kind of brings back the information back to council on that one. Uh, another one uh, was the uh, issue of temporary road closure violation penalties. So this is where uh, we have. Uh, an outside organization that uh, does an impromptu road closure without uh, consulting administration uh, prior to the road closure or with a road closure that had agreed upon times uh, for uh, when they were going to conduct the road closure. If they go outside of that window, uh, it is, does provide us the option to uh, provide a penalty at the discretion of the CAO to $2,500 a day. So that was included in there. Uh, one item that uh, is uh, a correction that should be uh, to the bylaw was under the environmental search uh, site assessment fee. Uh, it was $35 an hour, uh, kind of tentatively looked at $75 per hour, but uh, upon reflection, we'd like to keep that for $35 an hour uh, until uh, we can do a little more further research on the establishing that fee uh, to a, a higher rate. So right now we would like to just consider that at $35 an hour and keep it uh, at that rate there. Okay. Um, Mr. Parker, if you could help me out here, do we want to pass the uh, perhaps the first reading and then um, have a discussion about the items mentioned and go forth from there or what's best? Uh, let's see. I, I think that would, um, you can do first reading right down by the recommendation and then we could do second and third after we add those two things. That's correct. Okay, so um, would someone like to move first reading of um, Bylaw 2084, the fees and charges bylaw. Yeah, I'll make that motion. Okay, Mr. Scammerhorn. Um, okay, so now we should discuss it, Mr. Parker. That's correct. Okay. Uh, we could actually have a, a second motion um, to change, uh, or sorry, add uh, the, um, uh, the, we're not doing the perpetual care. So we are doing the uh, uh, fee for $2,500 for, uh, a violation, road closed violation. So we should do separate ones to to add to um, um, that uh, bylaw. And we then should have uh, a vote on the first reading, should um, we not? Mr. Needham. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I I was just perhaps yeah we should do we need to vote on first reading, but I would like to comment on the twenty five hundred dollars. So I believe we need to deal with first reading. That is correct. Sorry about that. Okay, let's do first reading. All those in favor, or did someone move it? Actually, Mr. Scammerhorn, thank you. All those in favor of first reading? Uh, it's carried. 
Okay, now discussion, Mr. Needham. Deputy, Deputy Mayor, yes, with respect to uh, the, uh, the 2084, the $2,500 uh, addition in terms of the road closure, I'm, I'm pleased to see that. I have one business owner that's phoned me several times since December, and then it was January, and now it's February. And of course, uh, he feels as though he's directly impacted by a road closure on River Road. So. Uh, I like that idea to provide a little incentive to uh, perhaps have contractors move along quicker. So if you're looking for second reading with that amendment as an addition, I would put forward that motion. And we will also need the uh, ad ad additions to the... Um, yeah, there was four fees. There, there was, yeah, okay, let yeah. me... I got to back up to, it seems to me there was. Yeah, Mr. Seems, Neum. Seems to me there was, uh, it was about three items on that list and I'm just trying to find it here, I'm sorry. Just give me a second, sorry, I'm just. Yeah, it would be the perpetual care, uh, the update of schedule D with, uh, with, the, with a, a correction apparently and the environmental fee assessment from $35 to $75. And then, we won't and then finally the unauthorized road closure. I, I thought the idea was to capture all three of those. Yes, but we weren't doing the uh, uh, $35 one. Uh, we were gonna leave it at 35. So at this point in time, leave the perpetual care the way it was, the $35 the way it was, change the road closure to up to $2,500 fee for uh, yeah. violation. And the other one was? Inclusion of the cemetery fees. Inclusion of the cemetery fees and the pool fees are in there as changed. So that's in the bylaw kind of already, I guess. That's correct. Okay. Would if someone I, like? Oh. There are the um, current version of the bylaw as presented to council includes perpetual care fees. So the only amendment that is contemplated at this point, given the, the pool fees were included in the present, in the initial bylaw, as were the perpetual care fees, we're not changing the environmental fees. So the only amendment outstanding would be the road closure fees. Okay. So um, any discussion on that, I guess, before we look at second uh, reading with that amendment? Okay, would does council like to want to, is council moving to add the amendment and then making second reading or that's what, how yeah, would you like this recorded? You have to do, you have to add it and then you have to pass it. Okay, who would, who would like to add um, the amendment of the road closure to- I have a record that Councillor Needham is on the floor with that resolution, ma'am. Okay. Goodbye, me. <laughs> uh, is there any further discussion on that? Okay, all those in favor of that motion. Okay, now we can go to second reading. Correct. Okay. Would someone like to move second reading of bylaw 2086 or 84? As the, amended. As amended with the fees and charges bylaw. Thank you, uh, Councillor Downing. Any discussion? All those in favor? Second reading? 
great, as amended. Okay, um, are we willing to move forward? Um, I'll make a motion to go to third reading. Yeah, you don't have to because, no? oh, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah, correct. You're doing, doing all three in one yeah, night. You still need to do three, sorry. Okay, um, Mr. Good moves to go to third reading. All those in favor? Carried. Um, someone else want to make another motion? Who hasn't made one for a while? Mr. Needham? Okay. Mr. Needham, your motion to move to third reading? Correct. On bylaw 2084 as amended. Okay. Any further discussion? All those in favor? It's carried. Thank you very much. And thank you, administration, for all your work on that. Okay, we're now going to unfinished business, which is request for decision on the 2082 cemetery bylaw. And Mr. McClain, <coughs> you're going to maybe yes. lead this discussion. Yes, Will, Deputy uh, Mayor and Council. Uh, so before you've got uh, bylaw 2082, uh, and this one here, we've uh, discussed this uh, previously on February 8th, at which you gave first reading and requested a little more information before we went to second and third reading. So one of the ones that uh, was discussed was around uh, the plot for veterans and the field of honor and what definitions were out there in terms of what is a veteran. So uh, basically under the War Veterans Allowance Act, they kind of define a war veteran as being uh, a member of, uh, that served in World War I or II and also uh, included uh, the Korean War veterans as well. Now, uh, after looking at uh, a couple other things, uh, one of the things that we looked at was just uh, the current uh, programs that uh, is uh, done under the Veteran Grave Marker Maintenance Program. And they say their definition of a veteran is any former member of a Canadian Armed Forces who successfully underwent basic training and is honorably discharged. So basically it's up to the municipality to kind of define, you know, uh, kind of the inclusivity of this. So Veterans Affairs Canada basically uh, accepts that definition as any former member of Canadian Armed Forces who has successfully underwent basic training and is honorably discharged. Uh, so part of this extends as to the field of honor is how they define into like the national cemetery uh, for whether interning vets, but the municipalities have a little more leeway in who they can consider that would go into the field of honor. So uh, we've had this field of honor established for a number of years. Uh, so I believe it was uh, established it in uh, 1965 uh, under bylaw 683 and has been in place uh, since then with those following definitions and conclusions. And there you've got a, a little map of just uh, where that uh, location is highlighted in yellow there in figure one. Uh, so I think that, that was the 
other only other one that we had to speak to uh, from last time. Uh, last time we did speak about uh, expanding uh, the basis for looking at uh, fees for uh, different municipalities and establishing our updated fees, which was uh, passed tonight under the fees and charges by law. So uh, administration is requesting uh, second and third reading to bylaw 2082. So last time, was there also a question about um, uh, rangers? Yes, and they would they are considered members of the primary reserve who okay. would be included into this category. Okay. Councillors, do you have any further questions, comments? Okay. Um, so admin is uh, ad asking or advising that we go to second and third reading. Someone care to move on that? Mr. Ford? Yes, Deputy Mayor, I put uh, a motion on the floor to uh, provide second reading to bylaw 2082, the cemetery bylaw. Okay, any discussion? So the other new things in here besides the clarification, um, mausoleums are included in here, right? That was that, new. That is correct, Deputy Mayor. Mm -hmm. And also kind of includes uh, the columbarian descriptions as well, so. Great. And I see there's a notice there that uh, Peace Valley Funeral Homes have been selected by Veterans Affairs Canada to provide maintenance services for the veteran grave markers across the peace country. So. That's correct. That's kind of interesting that they uh, look after that as well. Yeah. So it's good. Um, okay, so we passed second reading. I think we voted on it, right? Uh, anybody? Not as of yet. We didn't vote. All those in favor of second reading? Great. Okay. Um, anybody care to go to third reading? Uh, Councillor Downing, moving third reading. All those in, well, any discussion? All those in favor? Great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and now we get to go to the next final. And Mr. Towns done a whole bunch of work on this one and staff. So here we go. Uh, good evening again. Um, so before you is a request to approve our 2021 operating capital budgets. So as you're aware, or if you recall, we have had half a dozen public meetings starting on December 7th and proceeding into February, the last one um, ending on February 1st, where we finally um, nailed down what we hope to achieve and um, we're able to have enough information to prepare this report. Um, so just so council is aware, the budget has, um, the budget document itself has been become part of this agenda. So it's available to the public if they choose to look for it that way, or it's available on our website at peacerever.ca slash budget. Um, we'll also be preparing some type of um, press release or other information and um, distribute that. Um, because it is important to share with the, the population, the residents. Um, especially this year, I 
certain there's going to be a lot of questions regarding um, taxes and tax rates um, because of the pandemic. Um, and I'm able to report here that tax revenues in 2021 are similar to tax revenues that were approved in 2020. It's about a $26,000 difference on an $11.6 million budget line. So we, we uh, in previous years or this year, we bring in over $11 million in, in tax revenues. Um, so $26,000 difference is less than 0.2%, um, which is really um, basically new construction or market value changes or other type of items. So um, ratepayers should expect to see similar um, type tax bills or a similar type tax rate. Um, again, everyone being individual based on assessment changes to their property, um, but we should expect similar to um, rates to the previous year. Um, to, sorry, do you have a question? If you have a question, just interrupt. Oh, during yeah, the presentation I have regarding tax rates and it may this may not be the right place for the discussion in which case we can discuss it later is that are we going to be um, considering tax deferrals this year like we did last time because last year I understand we deferred and then we moved them till payment date till September to give people more time to sort of um, help them accommodate some of the impacts of the of the COVID pandemic and those pen I think a lot of us may not have or at least hope that the pandemic would not be going along a year later, pretty much the same kind of constraints and restrictions that went on in the first part. So are we going to be able to have discussions regarding deferral either now or can we have those discussions later as a separate part? Um, I suggest to be separate. Um, okay. since, since we're doing and approving the budget, um, you know, if council wants to consider deferrals or um, other options for assistance to to the um, to ratepayers. You know, we could consider that after the budget has been approved, um, and staff could identify where the funding comes from. Again, whether it's you know existing, you know, if we just need to spend the money and do it, and and try to find other savings now or in the future, if we want to use ICF money or look at other options, you know, those those will be um, presented to council if those want to be considered. So just to clarify, for example, on not speaking about the deferrals, but if we're talking about supports to businesses and things like that, we can pass a budget tonight, have a discussion about those things and not tie up, not passing the budget tonight does not preclude making a decision to go forward with different business supports. That's correct. I would suggest keeping them separate. Let's, let's approve the budget um, and then and this is similar to what we did last year. We approved the budget, and then we immediately did a $400,000 COVID financial mitigation thing, which included um, a whole bunch of savings, including taxable savings and deferments. Um, last year, we were able to find that money through operational savings. That generally won't be available to us this year, um, at least to the same um, extent. So. Um, you know, we, but there are other avenues for us to consider. Um, okay, okay, that's fair. And then one other thing in, um, on the, this is not on, the, on the, the bylaw, but it is on the budget document. There's a, a phrasing on, 
I'm not sure of the page here, I just want to get it. Uh, page five of the budget document that says that council has directed that for 2021, ICF funds will not be utilized within the general operations and are to be directed toward reserve fund replenishment and or supplementing needed capital work in the town. And my understanding is that there really was no motion directing that from council. There was discussion on it. There was that basically that was it. There was kind of a discussion on it. And those were some of the things that were brought forward as ideas, but there hasn't been direction because council really only directs by motion. So I just wanted to clarify that we have not directed that the ICF funds will not be utilized. I yes, think that, yeah. Well, I was going to say that that is correct. There is no formal motion. Um, and if if we want to be more accurate, something like recommended um, could be or considered or considered or something like that yeah. could be, you know, you're, you're correct. Direction is directing. Um, you know, the um, council had asked for this to be um, included or considered within the, the upcoming budget, which um, staff has come back to. Um, and I think it goes to the point where the, it doesn't, even though the monies weren't tied up, it just kind of speaks to the availability of of those monies because staff or council did, um, and I will say direct this time, um, because we did use it for the funding, $600,000 towards a capital budget in 2021. Right. Um, but the balance of the ICF monies um, are just put into a reserve to be used either um, in the present or, or future at council's discretion. Yeah, my reason for pointing out is just that if there was an actual direction, they just put a six month window to really go in and change certain things. So I just wanted to make it understood that, that was there was no motion that covered that. Yep, fair enough. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else while we're kind of at a little bit of a pause here or? Okay. Um, so I'll carry on looking at page, uh, the end of page one at the report. Um, so we were able to bring back a, a budget that did find um, enough savings within it um, to maintain the existing services. That's something council felt was important, um, that existing services be maintained. Um, but unlike previous years, we weren't able to really consider um, new or enhanced services this year. So. Again, um, as being part of the pandemic, you know, we had to consider or prioritize what we'd like to do. Um, weren't able to achieve everything, um, but we also know that this is a, a, a different type of year. Um, knew that better to me just maintain um, rather than try to to achieve more. And we'll we'll try to do um, more with what we have or, or better with what we have. And um, be able to exist within that that financial envelope. Um, but as it is, um, total expenditures for the upcoming year, just over $28 million for the organization. Um, revenues, as we have to present the balanced budget, are matching, um, but our tax revenues are only going up that 26,000 or, or 0.2 of a percent. Um, Utilities fees um, will be um, brought forward to council at a, a future date. Um, as you know, and as the budget document says, and I'll say here, um, utility rates are expected to increase by about 2.8 or sorry, 8.6% in the upcoming year. Um, 
and that's really to um, maintain our, our capital improvements. I, one of the changes I made to the budget book, I believe it was page 21 or somewhere around there, um, shows our, our water bills over time based on um, a certain volume of water. Um, and it's a little um, telling when you look at that and, and water bills and water rates essentially were flat or maintained from 2001, I went back 20 years, to 2011. Um, there were no changes. So the council of the day or the town back in the day, not blaming the council, the, the town back in the day um, didn't look at changes to the rates, um, probably weren't um, incurring capital charges like they should have. And um, those deferments are, are kind of coming back and, and affecting our rates right now. Um, that's the, the quick summary of the operations and operating budget. There was one service level initiative that council did approve and that was a staffing change in our public works operations department of um, casual laborers and um, support staff during the summer to um, allow that, that department to um, be able to do more and be able to spell off people um, during summer when um, we incur more vacation time and, and whatnot. <clears throat> The 2021 capital budget, as you recall, um, took up a lo lot of our discussion this year. Um, and when it was all said and done, we are looking for approval on a $5.8 million budget, um, which um, includes the phasing in of some projects. So we're, we're doing some this year on a few um, and hopefully be achieved in future years. Um, something that we have since added, um, since our, our last discussion were um, trash pumps and um, to uh, do those and for, for flood mitigation and abatement type efforts. Um, to do that, we made an adjustment to our, our greater replacement, um, brought that budget down a bit and the difference plus a little bit of extra money was, was uh, will be utilized to fund that, that project. Um, so that's our the summary of the capital budget. There's it's shown there on the report on page three for those following along. Um, 18 projects in total. Um, again, the big ones are around the public works side. Our neighborhood renewal program is still continuing. Sand and salt shed heavy equipment. A um, couple parks areas, 103rd Street and Saddleback Parks will be done. Work at the pool. Work at our water treatment plant and other projects throughout the town. Thank you. Um, councils, councilors, any comments, questions for clarification? Mr. Good? Just one comment, and I've, I think I've made it every year and every budget I've dealt with for the last number of years is that the question I would ask our director, you know, a director of corporate services is a simple one. Does this budget, how would I put it, ensure the long-term sustainability of the community. Because one thing I, I keep pointing out when we do these budgets is to a large extent, we're kind of like a house where you're ignoring, you're ignoring a few things. You're kind of ignoring the eaves troughs. You're kind of ignoring replacing some piping. You're kind of ignoring certain things because there's just not enough capital to do it. 
and the, all of our budgets that we pass really are not other than the initiative that was started in um, actually fairly recent history as far as the town, which is the infrastructure replacement bylaw, by which will do a lot of stuff for over a hundred years, is that our budgets do not in fact really address our infrastructure deficit or or sort of maintain this, the sustainability of the town. Would that be an accurate statement? And I'm asking the Director of Corporate Services and Finance that. Yeah, and I think my answer will be similar to what I've said in previous years. The budget as presented um, really looks at our, our operations in a single year horizon. Um, it has been doing a little better over time at dealing with our infrastructure deficit, but it is still not adequate to fully deal with it in a, a way that I would consider satisfactory. Thank you. Any other uh, questions? Okay, would someone uh, like to put forth a uh, motion? How do you want to word that? So if I were to do that, would it be the case of uh, I move that we approve the 2021 capital and operating budgets? There are two proposed motions or recommended motions for council to consider. Um, they do have some numbers in them, which we would like for okay. our preparation of the tax rate bylaw. All right, well, I'll let me give this a shot then. I move that the 2021 operating budget in the amount of 28 million 9,970 gross expenditures, 13,001,360 net expenditures resulting in a tax levy of 11,668,260 be approved as shown in the 2021 operating and capital budget document. Thank you. Um, any uh, further discussion? We need multiple readings on that or is that a one reading question? One. This is just a single motion. The tax rate bar law will be multiple readings. All those in favor of the motion? All those, um, okay, everyone's in favor. Thank you, it's carried. Uh, there was a second recommendation, Mr. Needham. Yes, uh, your worship, I put a motion on the floor that the 2021 capital budget with gross expenditures of 5,821,700 be approved as shown in the 2021 operating and capital, capital budget documents. Thank you, any discussion on the motion? All those in favor of the motion? It is carried. Thank you. And thank you, thank you. once again. Work, You're muted, Deputy Mayor. I keep bumping my space bar, which is not the thing to do on this. Um, so thank you, Mr. Town, once again. And um, the public can get a hold of the full document either on the website, like you said, pserver.ca slash budget. And where'd Mr. Town go? And uh, if they wanted a printed copy of it, they could ask for that as well. Yep, physical copies will be ready tomorrow, let's say at lunchtime. Okay. Um, and there'll be some at the front counter for the public or um, I could put one aside if you want one. Okay, thank you. And uh, you made mention that there would be a media uh, type release or an information type uh, release on the town website with respect to the budget as well. 
Yeah, um, we'll, we'll prepare one either tonight or tomorrow and have that out in the next 48 hours. Great, thank you very much. Okay, um, next up we have new business and we're looking at the Taxi Pass Program Policy Update with uh, Director Bell. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Um, as noted, this is just a briefing note. There's no requirement for action for Council within this document but I wanted to provide council with some further information of some of the steps as administration has taken over the last couple of weeks. Um, as per the town's public participation policy, we are proceeding with a engagement process with residents to uh, provide an opportunity for anyone to uh, submit feedback to the proposed changes. Um, we have a comment section on the town website that members of the public can go to. I've already received approximately 12 submissions since we posted, I believe, mid-Friday or late Friday. Um, so we are receiving some feedback. In addition, I have sent the information off to a number of community agencies that works with the various populations that some of the changes are being proposed um, to impact. And we also have information at our front counter at the town office for any of our current clients. However, none of the changes we're making to date impact any of our existing clientele. So we're also informing them of that fact, um, along with the opportunity for, for feedback. And then uh, we also did some work in regards to looking at the option of adjusting and removing all of the um, main eligibility categories and looking just at income levels. Um, we looked to see if there was a way we can sort of encapsulate uh, the individual and family incomes um, with our age category and our seniors category, but it really, what we found is it forced the income levels up too high, even if we kept them at the minimum of 20, 22,000 for individual and 30,000 for family. It, um, by doing so, it pushed our uh, possibility of client numbers into another 200 plus potential clients. The caveat on this is it's still just 2015 census numbers. So with the new census, maybe there's an adjustment, maybe it's less, maybe it's more, um, but just using the data that we have available to us, uh, this pushed the program way beyond the bounds of our financial abilities. So, and even calculating if we offered just one booklet to each of those potential clients, it would really push the budget far beyond what council was looking for. So it was a great idea. I was desperately hoping it could work because it would have simplified a lot, um, but it just really ended up being too much of a liability potentially for this particular program. So it's not something we're gonna pursue any further because it is showing to be um, just financially not feasible. So that was the purpose of tonight's briefing note is just to bring council up to speed or make you aware of the public participation that's going on and this uh, second piece of looking at just the income levels. Well, thank you for that. Lots of calculations because one thing changes the whole thing and vice versa. Um, it's unfortunate the federal government's uh, transit program only seems to apply to big cities and uh, not really our situation. 
Does uh, our councillors any uh, questions or further comments for Ms. Bell? Uh, I, I might have missed this. How, how long is the public consultation process again? Pardon me. Uh, we have it posted for four weeks. So March 19th is the closing date. So we'll see you again then about this particular issue, I would suppose. Absolutely. I'll provide you verbatim all of the feedback we receive. Um, verbatim. Cool. <laughs> Mr. Needham? I, I don't want to dig into your consultation effort and I'm not sure who's going to show up at the sessions but uh, my suggestion is that we make it clear as to what this taxi program costs. I suspect there'll be lots of people that are going to show up at this session that use it and I'm okay with that that's what it's intended for but it's part of your education component it would be um, if you could to provide some clear language around what the tax Taxi Pass program is costing us, uh, just so that people are aware of it. I mean, I'm, I'm all for great services, but uh, they all cost money. And it, I would just like people to be aware of what that subsidy is. And uh, good luck with the sessions. Thank you. Any further comments? Okay, thank you, Ms. Bell. Um, admin, do we usually accept uh, a note such as that for information? Yes, you can, yeah, a motion to accept for information would be fine. Would someone like to bring that forward? Uh, Ms. Downing, thank you. So accepting the taxi pass briefing note um, for information. All those in favor? Great, it's carried. Okay, second new business. Um, we have uh, Councillor Ford, notice of motion that council direct administration to provide a report to council on where we are at with the purchase of an aerial apparatus for the Peace River Fire Department. So this was to provide a report. So Mr. Parker, how do we go forward here? Mr. Ford will make the uh, official um, motion for council. And uh, then what would happen here is once the motion is on the floor, then, uh, We'll ask for information when he'd like it back, what he would like in the report, and then it gets moved by council. They either uh, vote for that or they vote against. Okay, thank you. So I guess Mr. Ford, you're up. You bet. Uh, thank you, Your Worship. I'd put a motion on the floor that uh, council direct administration to provide a report to council on where we're at with the purchase of an aerial apparatus for the Peace River Fire Department for our next meeting. Um, this would not be for tomorrow's meeting, but the meeting following that. So you're talking about GNP of March, uh, 1st? March 1st? Yeah, sure. That, that, that works. Okay. Um, any further discussion on that motion? Admin have any questions? Uh, what exactly would you like in the report? Would you like just very brief like uh so, so yeah so basically just a briefing um from from our fire chief on where we're at with this purchase um i do know back in the day before covid uh, the fire department presented us with the apparatus that they wanted to purchase and uh the whole covid thing started and we were looking at cost saving measures everywhere from uh, a used unit or a different style of aerial apparatus 
even a lease return. Um, I even heard uh, comments about having another study done to see exactly what the, the fire department requires for equipment. So I just like to see where we're at with all this and exactly what's going on. All right. Thank we'll, you. We'll, we'll bring something back for the uh, GMP meeting then. Okay. Uh, any it, other counselors? Okay. Um, uh, would we, or we're now going to vote on the motion. Uh, everybody's clear on the motion? Looks like it. Okay. All those in favor of Mr. Ford's motion? Great. It's carried. Thank you. We have a, uh, another notice of motion and uh, same way of going about it, Mr. Parker? Correct. Okay, so I'll save a step. Councillor Scammerhorn has a notice of motion, which he would put forth as a motion at the moment. Okay, so the notice of motion reads that council discussed the letter included in the information portion of the February 1st governance and priorities meeting, specifically, because there was two letters, uh, the letter from the mayor to the premier requesting financial assistance, which would directly benefit his employer. So this motion is uh, a motion to discuss uh, as opposed to direct. So I would suppose then we have to pass the motion before we can even discuss the situation. Is that reasonable? Yes. Uh, and when, will you, well, when would you like to discuss it too? Um, well, potentially a little bit today, but it might require a follow-up at a later meeting. So, well, you'd probably start today, perhaps, and then if the discussion leads there, there may need to be a follow-up at a later meeting, and that would be potentially coming out of the discussion. Does that make sense? So, the motion is to have a discussion. Or, or we could have the discussion at a later meeting and then see where the follow-up goes from there if that works for everybody. Do you want to uh, maybe uh, put forward your thoughts on having the discussion start today or something else if you wish? Um, I'm okay with doing some today. The meeting doesn't seem to be going long so i don't think we'd be pressed for time so yeah i'll, I'll perhaps move that we start today so um so how would i specifically get all this done in one go <laughs> <laughs> okay I so of, i think one of the differences is is this okay. uh, this is not requesting a report and we can all have access to that letter if we just go on to uh uh, the peaceriver.ca uh, website. So all counselors can have access to that letter and they want to look at it. If there's something specifically you want to talk about, you can list that out and then council can make a decision whether uh, you want to continue moving forward or not. And they, so if it's an extensive amount of what you want to talk about and there is some information that administration might have to bring back, then I would recommend then we move it to a, a future date. But okay. Just to just say, I'd like to talk about it and it, 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 it just depends what you're looking for. So just saying I want to talk about it really doesn't give council the ability to say, hey, should we talk some of it and can we talk about it today or can we move forward and, and uh, get some more information in the future? So I... It's almost, uh, my opinion, uh, Mr. Scammerhorn, uh, yeah, you're moving that this discussion start to happen today. If during the discussion there's some other direction for council 
then council deals with it during that discussion and goes forth? Um, I think just given Mr. Parker's advice on the situation, perhaps um, I'll move that we discuss it at the next, well, well, say the next, well, the next regular council meeting would place it um, when? March 8th. March, March 8th. 8th. I don't believe it is a time sensitive issue. So that would allow for perhaps on that agenda for the 8th that the letters could be on the agenda in the package. We would be very fresh with them uh, in terms of their, their, their reading and their content. And then, and then um, it would just give everybody sort of time. Um, and then perhaps if administration has anything else that they might think is relevant, could include or, or whatever else. Um, so yeah, I, my feeling just after our preliminary here is, is, to make the motion to have it onto the March 8th meeting. And would you like it, um, so I'm just wondering, uh, sure. uh, Councillor Scamhorn, are you looking at maybe uh, writing a letter to our municipal partners, uh, very similar to the letter that was written to the Premier, asking our municipal partners to support this project, or are you suggesting we shouldn't be supporting the project or? No, no, not that we shouldn't support the project, just how to just how to move forward, considering the nature of the letter, I believe. Um, I mean, given that this was never brought to Council in the first place, obviously, Council should have a discussion whether we support the project or not. And perhaps if administration could, as well as having those two letters included in the future agenda, information, more information about the grant specifically, uh, because the only information that we currently have from the grant is what we would have got out of that letter. And if there's other information that we might need to have in order to fully discuss how the grant might work or apply, then perhaps we should have that as well. Mr. Good? I think also um, one thing that we're, I'd like some clarification on, and I'm sure that uh, Mr. Parker could find that for us, is that <clears throat> The, like section 170 of the MGA talks about a pecuniary interest and defines it. And every councillor has a pecuniary interest, for example, in a tax bylaw. You have that by definition because it says subject to subject to three, you have pecuniary interest if you know that the matter could monetarily affect your family. Well, a tax bylaw can affect your family. Therefore, you have a pecuniary interest by definition. The problem is not necessarily in the pecuniary interest. The problem is what happens when you have a pecuniary interest and how it's dealt with and how you deal with it under different circumstances. So I think we could probably use some clarification in that area. What turns a pecuniary interest into a conflict? What turns it into an issue? What means that it's not an issue? That kind of a question could be part of it because Part of the question is that that was in the motion is that the letter um, was asking money directly for the uh, mayor's family or the, the person involves family. And I think that's one of the questions that we sort of need some clarification on. Um, other councillors, do you have uh, comments? So what I've heard at this uh, point in time, uh, Councillor Scammerhorn has moved that um, basically uh, admin bring 
back the letter and uh, uh, counselor asked for information on clarification of um, pecuniary interests. And the uh, information about the grant specifically. And information about the grant referred to within the letter. Admin yeah. asked if uh, uh, Councillor Scammerhorn wished to uh, perhaps consider um, other municipalities and that was kind of left sideways. So maybe that's a future discussion. Okay, so the motion is uh, to have this all happen on March 8th, the next regular council meeting. I think that would be best, yeah. Would you like to read back, Madam Deputy Mayor, for clarity? Um, Councillor Scammerhorn, she would like the motion. Would you like me to read back what I have recorded is my question. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, move that council discuss the letter included in the information portion of the February 1st governance and priorities meeting, specifically the letter from the mayor to the premier requesting financial assistance, which would directly benefit his employer. Further, that the letters be included in the March 8th regular council meeting as an agenda item with information from administration regarding the proposed grant along with clarification regarding pecuniary, pecuniary interest and conflict of interest. That sounds excellent. Okay, are we ready to vote on the motion? Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Uh, we have, uh, well, it's, it's carried it that way. Okay, so March 8th, and um, we'll have further discussion at that point in time. Thank you. Uh, next uh, item is uh, a request for a decision on flood mitigation program options. And Mr. Uh, Parker? Or yes, I'll, I'll take counsel through this one. Thank you. Uh, well, th thank you very much, uh, Madam Deputy Mayor and uh, Council uh, before you is a request for decision concerning uh, flood mitigation options. And uh, what I have provided is I provided you a um, presentation that was given at a uh, recent NEL uh, um, uh, meeting, uh, Northern Number Elected uh, Leaders uh, meeting. And with it, it was uh, basically a discussion of the flood mitigation trailer presentation. Um, so basically uh, what's happening is, as you know, uh, Peace River is prone to have uh, different types of uh, uh, water events, uh, flood events, uh, whether it's from the river or from the Pats Creek. Um, and we've had uh, a couple of incidences just in the past year alone. So uh, with that, um, we, uh, um, uh, we've been talking to other municipalities. We've been talking with the province um, and uh, we're just seeing what we could do to try and move forward. So we're looking at basically about a four to a five year plan of trying to solve these issues, but also what it is, it's, it's a regional kind of like uh, look at some options. So uh, basically um, the province has three flood mitigation trailers, but they're all located in Calgary and it's about a 16 hour trip there and back to uh, get to those uh, pieces of uh, equipment up here. And um, what happens here is if you do have a flood or an emergency situation, um, you have uh, the municipality that's requesting this uh, piece of apparatus, if it is free, um, basically is responsible for getting um, either the flood mitigation trailers and the pumps up here. So um, 
with that, the MD of Smoky River, uh, they started spearheading a uh, recommendation of maybe we should purchase one of our own out here. And the reason that was is because they have asked the province to actually locate uh, temporarily uh, or locate one pump and one um, uh, Tiger Dam trailer. And if you look in the presentation, you'll see what a Tiger Dam trailer is. We actually used the Tiger Dams uh, when we had uh, the Patch Creek incident. And then uh, a couple of weeks later when we had the, the incident uh, downtown with the, the floodgates aspect. So um, th they are uh, a good piece of equipment, um, but uh, the problem is, is, is trying to get it there. So when um, MD of uh, Smoky River was uh, in contact with the province, the province has not said yes or no. So they got the impression that they are not going to be moving something up here. However, what um, uh, we did is we did contact our uh, provincial representatives and we asked um, about this equipment. And, and, and I do have a direct quote from the email that was responded uh, back to me about uh, relocating it. The director is working on a plan to relocate some of their stockpile equipment in the Northwest region. We will let you know when that plan is uh, complete. So uh, we feel very hopeful they will bring uh, at least um, uh, a tiger dam up here, hopefully a, a 10 inch pump. But the problem that you run in and the fact uh, that you remain uh, dams are usually the last bit of resort that you're trying to do is you're trying to control it, mitigate damage to properties and everything like that. Um, we're looking at getting uh, some pumps and why we would like to purchase pumps as opposed to uh, basically have pumps come in from outside is because um, the second event that we had last year, I believe one of the biggest reasons why we didn't have major flooding downtown is because we had that pump. So as soon as we started having the, 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 the flooding issue, we had the pump that was over at the Public Works. They brought it uh, over the 10 inch pump. They popped it in downtown. They also brought their six inch pump and they started pumping water out and we can controlled uh, majority of the water that was down there. Now, if, if anyone had noticed uh, when we had the exit uh, hose, um, it, the exit hose wasn't super long and didn't go into um, uh, the Hart River. It would actually, it was actually on the side of our dam. And as the water is flushing out, it was washing out our dam. So we had to shut the 10 inch pump off for a few moments, uh, reattach it. And so we just had our six inch pump that was uh, working on it. And you can see that the six inch pump was not able to with um, uh, pump out the water fast enough. So it was, uh, we, we exchanged the hose really quickly, watch the water as it's rapidly uh, rising, um, turn the 10 inch pump back on and we were able to bring it back down under control and maintain it for uh, basically until we were able to uh, uh, yeah, fix the uh, apparatus so we can shut the doors. Um, so with that, uh, We've been looking at various types of pumps and, and we found some, some eight inch pumps that are for about $84,000, but those are without anything. That's, it's just basically a pump on a trailer. Uh, there's no hoses that go with it and all the uh, couplings that you need and uh, the screens for the intake. Um, you have a screen on your, your intake valve because what happens here or intake hose is because as you're sucking water in, you might have debris. So the screen actually prevents debris from going into the pump and wrecking the pump. Um, so uh, we also looked at possibly renting pumps. And so uh, renting one pump for a, a four month period was $30,000. Um, and we thought that uh, 
what we could do is when we were looking at the grader and we were able to do some adjustments, we were able to free up about $155,000 towards um, at least one pump. We were hoping to purchase two pumps, one eight and one 10, but we realized that we can't really get an eight and a 10 with the amount of money that we've uh, looked at. So this year we would love to get uh, basically one uh, eight inch pump right at this moment uh, with all the uh, attachments um, so that we can keep here. Um, that's basically it on that aspect, I guess. So I have a couple of options that uh, we pr are presenting to council. Uh, number one, that uh, council directs administration to purchase some uh, emergency trash pumps to a maximum of 195. Now, because we did approve the budget, the budget has trash pumps in there already, but um, you'll see that there's a couple of other uh, components of this. The second one is that council directs administration to look at joint funding for a flood control trailer uh, with our municipal partners. So MD of Smokey, what they did do is when they went on out and they talked to uh, uh, quite a few members of uh, the whole region here, they were able to get approximately, I think three or four municipalities that said, we'd be interested in contributing. Um, now they only talked to the fire departments and, and they got responses back to the fire department. So that was the reason why they made their presentation to the elected leaders, because they were hoping the elected leaders would bring it back to their municipalities. Um, I do believe we should at least look at this option um, just in case it's, it's always just another extra tool to have, you know, some tagger dams out here, but in the long run, what uh, we'd be looking at is most likely a, a different type of, um, a flood system other than uh, the tagger dams, we might be looking at some interlocking um, gates um, uh, and these devices are, are really quick to, um, to pop up and uh, you could do it while the flood is actually on and ongoing. So one of the problems sometimes with the tagger dam is if you've got the water that's flowing really quickly like we did in the Bats Creek issue, uh, it's very difficult at times to put the tagger dam up and then try and secure it and, and get it uh, in a, a situation where it would uh, redirect the flow uh, of water. So there's a couple of other options we're looking at. That's why we're saying it's a, you know, a, a three to five year project right here. And then the third um, option is council just directs the administration to lobby the provincial government to locate a tiger dam and at least one 10 inch pump up in uh, the Northwest region. Um, we're actually, the recommendation from staff is to say, hey, let's do all three of those things. Let's look at um, 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 actually purchasing a one pump for us right now. The second thing is to actually look at possibly becoming a regional partner of a Tiger Dam system, and also to really uh, put some pressure on the province, write a letter with them um, and uh, ask them to uh, relocate one of these pumps up here and a Tiger Dam. Now, when I did talk to the province, I suggested that we would be willing to host, uh, you know, a Tiger Dam and a pump here. And what we would recommend if we hosted that, we would, if it was needed someplace else, we would transport it to that other location. Uh, uh, and the reason we felt that is that would save uh, someone, if they had a disaster, they have to wait for it by coming down, collecting it and coming back out, we would, um, it'd be our way of trying to give back to the communities that uh, also are suffering up here. So that's basically our, um, the presentation. And uh, if there's any questions, I'm more than happy to answer. Questions, Mr. Needham? 
to find the right uh, <laughs> right control mechanism. I, I guess a couple things. Uh, an observation: uh, having lived in Peace River for 35 years as a resident, I've lived through several floods, whether it's the Peace, the Heart, Paps Creek, and will will we have another flood again in Peace River in our lifetime? Uh, absolutely, we will. I I can't see anything around. I can't see anything can't see any way around it. Uh, this is a, as an elected official, when we do our emergency planning, uh, this is a stressful time. Uh, the end of March, ice breakups. I've been down at town office at two o'clock in the morning waiting for, you know, public works or the next ice jam. And it's, it's a very, very, very stressful time for municipal politicians and residents of Peace River. So, we know there's some things we can do, and this is one of the things we we can do. We we can work on a study with Northern Sunrise County and talk about what their land use practices are and try and mitigate some of those things in the in the long term. Which, uh, Jim, that perhaps you could comment on that study uh, when we get down here. But in the meantime, there's some things that we can do, and certainly having the equipment in place makes sense. Now, in terms of what option is best, I. I, I guess the last one, uh, Mr. Parker, is likely likely the best one. I like the idea of getting the MD of Smokey involved. We certainly heard from the business community, uh, from the River Drive Ball uh, management, and is if, if you want stimulus money for small business in Peace River, this is the best thing that can happen to them. Uh, give them some security or some guarantee that they don't have to put bloody sandbags in front of their door to keep water out. So I'm all over this. Uh, Let's make it happen. And and uh, the point that you made that uh, can we actually stop stuff? Um, I'm I'm a firm believer that we will not be able to stop every flood that there is. But what we can do is we can mitigate uh, when we do have floods, and that's what this whole process is: is to mitigate, not to stop. We will still try and do everything else we can to decrease, but this is just one other tool in the toolbox. Thank you, uh, Miss Downing. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Uh, um, Mr. Parker, just for clarity, and I know you said it, but I just want to hear it one more time. We did approve for one pump in the budget. However, it's just the pump. It's not all the extras. And what we're looking at here is, a, is increasing that uh, situation, correct? That is correct. Okay. Can I ask, when I looked at the, I looked at the uh, attachment for the flood mitigation trailer, sort of for our information, I have to say, I mean, I was very impressed to see those tiger dams around people's homes. And I'm sure there's been situations that it's just been a huge benefit, but I can't help but wonder if it's flooding in Peace River, is it flooding in MD of, of Smoky River as well? And is this an, is that actually an issue? We, we actually, last year, there was a whole bunch of different flooding that it, it almost seemed like it was, uh, um, it was similar period, but it kind of slowly, maybe overlapped a little bit here and overlapped there, but it wasn't always at the same time. So Big Lakes had a, a big problem, I believe last year. Yeah. Uh, Smokey had a big problem also. Um, we had a problem. There was a problem, I believe, even in Northern Sunrise, some of the roads, they had some issues up there last year. So that, that's why they went on out and they said, hey, look, we can, we can do this. Um, that's, again, why I'm kind of like saying, 
we need a multi-pronged approach to move forward. So my goal would be eventually if we have, um, the province has one uh, Tiger Dam up here, if we bought into another one that we partially own is another option. And then there's some other tools that I would like to look at. So um, I'm looking at if we were to go for the Tiger Dam at, at MDS Smoky, I think it would be about a $40,000 commitment right now with the four people who are there involved maximum. So to me, you know, if you have 20 people involved, then it's, yeah, the costs are less, but you know, they're sharing it, you know, a lot farther out, you know. Um, sure. So. Uh, just one follow-up. Did we not have some type of damming we equipment do. already? We do. Um, uh, that sound Dr. right? Director McQuaig, yeah. you want to uh, comment yeah. on it? So we do have a bladder system similar to the Tiger Dam. It's a little bigger than the, the Tiger Dam setup and takes longer to fill and pre-position. And that's the whole thing with, uh, when you start looking at these bladder systems is they have to be pre-positioned. So you're you usually can place them ahead of a flood that you know is going to come, right? So that's where you get the best effect for these. Although the tiger dams, they do have the advantage that they're smaller and you're able to better and place them when you actually start, just start having a flood event because they're fairly quick to fill and establish. Whereas opposed to our existing bladder, it takes some time to fill up and pre-position as well. So, so the, the other thing that uh, I would add to, to council too is uh, some of the steps that we've taken in anticipation of this year. Like one uh, thing that we ran into last year was sandbags and people kind of rushing up to public works and, and grabbing sandbags and then we wouldn't, did not have any sandbags to put in strategic locations. Uh, so this year, what we've done is uh, during our cold weather this year, we took the advantage and started filling uh, sandbags in anticipation of this spring and filled up uh, a sea can that we would pre-position uh, pre down in Centennial parking lot. And that way, if we do have a flood event, you know, we can direct uh, residents to there to pick up sandbags and kind of better control the, the flow so we don't have uh, kind of a free-for-all. Uh, going for the sandbags. So just some better control over uh, the sandbag dispersal in there. But we've been taking steps to kind of uh, prepare for that as we speak, so. Okay, so how how long is the Tiger Dam regularly? I realize you can probably connect them together, but yeah. like, are they 100 feet long, like regularly? I think they come in about 50 foot sections. You can get them also in 100 foot sections as well. Okay. And the bladder thing that we, the town owns right now, how long is it? Uh, that I would have to go back and dig up. I seem to recall uh, about 150 meters of bladder, some, somewhere uh, in there. Is like the sandbags, is the bladder thing something you can position, fill up, and have it there for like three weeks or something or yeah okay our bladder systems on that trailer that has that great big reel on it isn't it yeah. that's correct okay thank you uh mr needham i think there was a valid point about uh so we we buy a joint asset and then we compete for it i mean i i get that and that's a possibility uh, now having said that i would think because of the farmland situation and the river and how our river basins are, I would think that that Paps Creek, the Smoky, and the Peace, that, that timing 
would be such that you'd have river flow there and on the farmland up top. I think typically where they would get into their problems is uh, they get stuck culverts and then they have flooding roads and flooding farmlands or perhaps a heavy spring spring rain. So I, I would hope if, if we got in a situation of competing interest that life and limb businesses in Peace River would take priority over a municipal road. Obviously speculation on my part, but perhaps uh, when we get into a joint agreement with the MD of Smoky, we could work some of those things out. Uh, but I, I would like to think that we would have some priority. And I'd also like to think that from my experience, mother nature would treat the certain ants a little differently, so. Okay, anything further? If someone would like to put forth a motion, perhaps? I can't make one tonight, so. I'll, I'll, I'll move option four here. I like, I like the more, the more iron we can throw at it, the better. So having our own that we control directly is really, really, really important. And then of course, if we can uh, buy into having other stuff that is potentially available to us that I'm really tracking with uh, Councillor Needham's reasoning, if we've got multiple businesses and establishments and, and, and people in the way that uh, that we would uh, we should have first crack in 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 event of any competing situation. So yeah, I, I'll move option four um, that council direct administration to implement all of the above options in this report. And thank you, Mr. Parker, for bringing it. Okay, and that also includes uh, lobbying the provincial government to locate uh, a minimum of one trash pump and one Tiger Dam trailer in the Northwest. Okay, any further discussion? All those in favor of the motion? Great, it's carried, thank you. Okay, and now we're back to Director Bell, who's going to bring us a COVID update. Oh, thank you, Deputy Mayor. Um, the report before you is a briefing note in regards to some activities that have occurred over the last week, week and a half, maybe possibly two weeks since our last regular meeting of council. Um, we provide council with some updates of how some of the changes with the new provincial framework that ease some of the restrictions, how that has impacted the operations of the town, specifically the recreation department. Um, our facilities are starting to reopen. We have been working with our user groups to accommodate them within the new restrictions and guidelines. And some of that has been We've adjusted and changed probably about five or six times since the initial announcements earlier this month. And we anticipate we will continue to flex and change as we move through this step, uh, this path forward as the province has called their new um, easing of restrictions process. So we're in step one right now, which allows us to offer um, user group access for youth team sports in a very controlled uh, setting for their practices. Uh, all players must stay three meters apart. There's no spectators. There's quite a number of restrictions. 
Um, but we are also able to offer household or individual rentals only to the facilities. Um, this was an interesting add-on that uh, we hadn't seen within the first announcement. It sort of came through in detail later on, but we are able to offer that. We are planning to get the pool reopened early March. We're just getting staff lined up and schedules um, prepared. And I believe an announcement's going out this evening in regards to that. Um, but all of these rentals will be by appointment only and the facilities are technically not open to the public at large, even during those scheduled times. Very controlled process. Um, we provide you with a little more information and where to access some of the information related to vaccination program case counts and the uh, variant information, which is ever changing and increasing, unfortunately, also. Anyone have any questions? So uh, at this point in time, I notice uh, schools could partake at the pool, but really they haven't, um, probably for their own reasons, uh, it doesn't really work for them at this point. That's correct. We do have a couple of schools, a homeschooling program, one of the other smaller school divisions, the teeny tiny one, not EQV, that are able to accommodate within these restrictions. Mm -hmm. Our larger school divisions at this point are choosing not to do um, the off-site field trip type activities because of the complications with busing and it, it gets very complicated for them. So unfortunately the pool has been at, um, we haven't been able to open the same way that some other pools have. The other complicating factor there has been our swim club was not able to fiscally realistically not able to fiscally work within the current restrictions. They literally would only be able to use two lanes out of the six because of the distancing requirements mm -hmm. and would have had to book twice as much. So they haven't been able to reopen yet. Maybe in this step two that we are anticipating uh, starting on March 1st. Um, but we don't get any preemptive information. Municipalities receive at the exact same time that the general public does. So we are all scrambling as are the user groups after the announcements. And hockey at the uh, arena, um, limited walk-in as if you're ready to go on the ice almost kind of stuff? Very limited. Um, it's maximum 10 uh, individuals within each group and that includes their coaches. So if they have two coaches is only eight players or one coach, nine players, we are able to split the ice, which worked very well for the younger age groups, but their practices are very regulated by their associations. Um, we're really pleased to see the provincial associations of each of these sporting organizations provide a lot of very good detailed information for their user groups to follow. Very safe processes. Yeah. And the uptake in Peace River for the arena has been a little bit? Actually, yeah, all of our user groups, all of them have come back. It took some longer than others, um, but all of them have come back in some capacity or another. So our ice time is 
back-ish to what it was. Oh, that's not correct. The Na Navigators hockey team have not. They're the one organization that haven't been able to, I think it's just too expensive for them to be doing very small group type training sessions as opposed to large practice. Yeah. Um, counselors, any questions of Director Bell? Well, thank you for keeping track of all that. I'm sure you get your emails each day and think, oh no, what's what's next? What's what? new? Yeah. <laughs> Would thank someone you. care to uh, move the um, briefing note as information? Uh, Ms. Downing, thank you. All those in favor? Great, it's carried. Okay, now we're on to uh, reports and we have one from North Peace Housing Board, a synopsis. Mr. Scamahorn, anything you'd like to highlight? Um, well, I, I, um, since the synopsis has come out, we've gotten a little bit more news that people might be more interested in. And of course, you guys are getting used to me every time I give one of these updates or synopsis or whatever because it's still uh the the COVID-19 situation which is you know the biggest thing going on for us right now and our clientele is you know what we would consider be you know vulnerable and it, it's just kind of directing everything so um I'm gonna run out of the limb here and I think I can share this we've gotten since that report has come out uh we've gotten some news that we uh yeah, we have dates for vaccinations for our clients um, so in the report there, it said, we don't know yet. We now do know, we know that's on the way. So we're really just breathing a big sigh of relief, knowing that that's coming. And yeah, the staff have done really well, um, just across the board, keeping, keeping our, our, uh, our seniors safe and, and, and well taken care of. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it was such a good big huge relief when we when we finally got the news that that was coming so that's that's the big news um the other news there that probably people are curious about they maybe have seen this on the social media is that we have our um the uh the the properties turned over to us from the province to sell um and so we've got a number of those listed and i believe have managed to sell a couple of those as well so um, that's moving along well, and um, revenues from those sales uh, are directed by the province to go right back into social housing. Um, so that's uh, it's been it's been good that that's got going, and that some people have taken advantage of, in my opinion, um, some very good deals on some properties around. And there's more, so people should check those out. Great, um, Mr. Needham. I just. Uh... Mr. Scamhorn, pass along uh, to the staff. I, I, I think the marketing sign at uh, at Spruce Court is is a great idea. I uh, got a large eight by eight bulletin board mounted on the front lawn, rental space available. That great, great way to market the uh, the facility and uh, very visible. So uh, just a, a comment to pass along to uh, the marketing people. So good job. I will pass that on to our communications expert. Oh, is that the guy? Let, let me take it back then if I would have known that. <laughs> uh, Councillor Downey? Actually, I'm not going to take, that's going to interrupt. I'm not going to take credit for that. That I had nothing to do with that going okay. there. That was directed, and that would be nice, but it was our administration and our housing our housing group. So, Councillor Downey? Uh, our fire 
Karen, was there not discussion about some big upgrades in the Spruce Court area? Yes. Okay. That's right. So that's in our capital plan. It's been there for a while. So lots of people don't know that Spruce Court is one of the, or if not the oldest public housing development in the province. And so the other thing that we run into with Spruce Court is that you'll notice that all of the buildings are the same size. It's, it's kind of a cookie cutter situation where, um, it's not so good for, uh, you know, a single individual that qualifies because look at the size of place that you're, you're stuck with. So um, the idea is to, to do some upgrades there, to do some diversification of, of what's available, some other sized uh, residences aside of, I believe those are all three bedrooms for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah, just help us to reach a broader clientele. And of course, just, you know, upgrades that are that are due just over that that large amount of time that they've been in place so so that is in the plan so some of these revenues from you know the properties i was discussing earlier you know this is a great spot that we can direct those to and for that project some of them were being torn down or that's a uh yes so um yeah so it, it is in the capital plan there that i if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I saw this part of it. It's uh, at the at the west side of the uh, property. Those ones would be replaced with a larger uh, multi-unit building, and then uh, upgrades and refurbishings and other things to happen to the remainder. So it's nice. There's a little park behind that west end. So yeah, it's it's you know what it's a really it's it's in such a great spot that neighborhood just given the you know the the uh, the the endurance center the gymnastics club rather the 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 rec center the pool the schools like it's well I live in the north end I love it it's it's amazing so it's it's really great that that this is you know an opportunity for us and hopefully we can take advantage of it very you know very soon. Um, but that's there's a lot of a lot of things to, to happen between here and there. So um, let's let's hope it keeps progressing toward it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, would someone like to move the acceptance of um, the North Peace Housing uh, Board synopsis for February third? Uh, Mr. Needham. All those in favor? Great. It's carried. Thank you. Okay, so we have some information items. The first one is from the um, uh, PRAMP, which is uh, the Peace Region Air Monitoring Program. Um, I hope you've all had a chance to uh, read it. Uh, I noticed that they are asking for some input into some of their plans. Um, does anyone have any comments on any input we might have. They're looking to relocate a portable air monitoring um, station and asking where it might go. Uh, their program, I notice um, their vision is for the Peace River area, heavy oil and bitumen operations. Those emissions will not cause odors that affect human health. So they seem to be uh, referring specifically to that um, type of resource industry. Mr. Needham? I, I, my recollection of this goes back to the days when Frank Overly was our MLA. Now I stand to be corrected on that matter. And uh, 
the only air monitoring or the one that I'm most familiar with is one, there's never one in the town of Peace River, uh, but there was one out in the Three Creeks area and it was on Doug Gallon's property. Uh, and I presume that's what this is related to. So I'm- They've, they've I, had I, one I, at Kadot. Did they have one at Kadot, yeah. I, I guess from a, a geographic point of view, I, I don't wanna say it doesn't impact us, but I, I, I don't think we've ever had such a monitoring station in Peace River. And I think it was more targeted out in that oil sands, the original Three Creek shell, shell area now. I, could be wrong, but my, my point being, I don't think there's anything here for us unless I'm unless I'm misreading the letter. We've got an air monitoring station, I do believe, but I believe it's um, the pulp mill. Is yeah, yeah, Mer that's Mer correct. The DMI one. Yeah, 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 Mercer is. It's I can turn around and look out the window, and I can I can see the light in the helicopter uh, flag post uh, blowing in the wind, and it's uh, just up the hill. But yeah, it's. Uh, this is particularly this 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 group was targeted. Uh, well, I think it was hydrocarbons. Essentially, is what it mm -hmm. was targeted at. But, Ms. Downing, thank you, Deputy Mayor. So I agree with uh, Councillor Needham. I when I read this and I read their questions, I was like, oh. I mean, I've attended some of their public sessions. It's always informative. Um, I, I am in support of that, especially since we've had some real health uh, issues that have been raised by people in our region. Um, I think their educational component that they do in the schools, I'd like to see us continue to, to that's, that's a place for people to learn about uh, the value of air quality monitoring. So, um, but as it relates to the town of Peace River directly, I, I couldn't see the relationship, but but I am supportive of the program. I think that there's, uh, I think that it's, a, it's an important thing for us to be monitoring in our area. And through their educational program was about the only thing I felt like I could weigh in on. Um, Mr. Parker, would you suggest we write a letter or accept this for information? Um, if uh, Council wants uh, to have this monitoring, we write a letter and, or you could just direct administration to uh, talk with them. Uh, I, I, I'm not suggesting we, we I, I'm not suggesting we, I, I don't see a need for it in town. I do see the, the map and they've got several sites and if they certainly want to continue and maintain that, I. We would certainly support that, but I, I don't. I, I guess I'm not advocating for an expansion of what they already have. If we can carry on with what they're doing, that's that's fine. Okay. So what I'm getting the gist of is we'll accept this for information a little later in the meeting, perhaps. Unless Miss Downing, do you want to? You're good. Uh, I'm I'm good. Uh, Madam Deputy Mayor, it as as Councillor Needham says, it's it's not direct impact to our community, um, but I, I would support it if that's what they're actually asking. They're actually asking us for feedback, and I don't know that I have, from what I know of them, anything that direct directly relates to the town of Peace River. Although obviously some of our residents work in that area. Okay. So let's move along to uh, the next item, which is the February 5th, 2021 um, 
presentation to the Northern Alberta elected leaders with respect to the Site C Dam. And what we have here is uh, the presentation from that meeting, which is um, basically a, um, a letter, a memo from Reeve Terry Ungarian of the County of Northern Lights. And he is um, expressing um, his uh, thoughts, uh, his concerns about um, the st stability of the Site C Dam, as well as uh, being unsure how the two provincial governments um, have um, talked about this dam or, or what, and wondering why more information hasn't reached the municipal level. So, um, he just presented this for information. I know he said he was going to present it at a zone meeting of the regional or the RMA um, municipalities, and I don't know anything further. So councillors, is it your wish to um, react in any way to the, to the letter or his uh, items of information within it from his view? I, I, I... I think from my perspective, it's an information point. I, I'm surprised that you could undertake such a project and build it to this stage and then somebody find out that part of the dam is built on shale and now it's suspect. Uh, at least that's what seems to be, um, seems to be inferred. And there's certainly lots of public information on it. And I know there are two, I believe there are two experts that have been hired by the Premier to conduct a so-called independent review of this. So there's, there are some reviews that are, are, are underway. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what we would do if we've got an opinion, whether or not we could express it. But to me, it's a, yes, it's a serious matter. Uh, but I, at this stage of the game, I think it's just an awareness. And as Terry says in his letter, addressed to the Northern Alberta elected group. He says, we're, we're not looking for anything. We're just passing it along as information. So I, I, I think it's information. And if councillors are interested, uh, yeah, type Site C Dam and Mr. Google, there's lots of information there. And uh, it, uh, it's, it, it's certainly of concern, but I, I'm not sure it's something we want to weigh in at, at this stage of the game. I'm seeing nods, so we'll carry on to the next item, which is uh, a letter uh, from the Minister of Advanced Education with respect to post-secondary governance proposals. And uh, this particular uh, request came from Northern Lakes College. Um, it came to the um, Community Education Committee. Uh, it also came to the NAEL group. And basically what's happening is that um, the uh, Ministry of Advanced Education is doing a study on the governance um, of universities, colleges, and so forth. And um, by 2030, they uh, think they might uh, have something in, in mind. Um, this particular study is one of the reasons why Grand Prairie College um, is uh, did not get its university status at this time. They're delaying it until this is organized. So basically information, the request to Northern Lakes College, the mayor did respond and uh, Minister of Advanced Education did respond saying, yes, they're doing the study and they'll take a, 
all views into account and do the best for the region. But the plan, the hope is that they don't take away too much of the local um, input and control over places like Northern Lakes College, which if they were governed from uh, say Edmonton, uh, would not perhaps have as much local perspective and uh, that would be a loss for the 14 communities that uh, they have um, uh, Northern Lakes uh, facilities or programs in. So sorry to take that one over, I'm on the, the committee. So there we go. Um, would someone like to uh, accept uh, the information items one, two, and three for information? Mr. Good, thank you. All those in favor? Great, it's carried. Okay. Uh, notices of motion. Any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? We we have none, Deputy Mayor. Thank you. Uh, comments from the public. Miss um, McQuaig, anybody? We received none, uh, Madam Deputy Mayor. Okay, thank you. Okay, on to uh, section 13, key communication items to be determined at the meeting. Uh, uh, Ms. Hume, any thoughts? Um, good evening, yes. Uh, I think the, the big one is the budget. Um, as Director Town mentioned, we'll have something coming out in the next day or so on that. Um, we've got the taxi pass underway so there will be some additional advertising coming out around that uh, feedback process and a good one for the future would be the flood mitigation once we secure the resources we can I think people would love to know that information as we head into the next um, high water breakup season so those are the big things that piqued my interest anything from council that I didn't get just uh, around the flood mitigation the uh, Director Jim mentioned even aside from all capital purchases, this the idea of being prepared and something's pardon me something as simple as a, a sea can with some sandbags in it. I think will uh, yeah. I, I think will be of interest to people just to give them a, a heads up. Uh, the, the point being that uh, we all remember Paps Creek from last year, and we know flood season's coming. Paps Creek was flowing like crazy here yesterday. I was over there, so. It's uh, always top of mind. So uh, uh, yes, I like the idea of including some of that uh, uh, flood mitigation and perhaps the sea can and the sandbags uh, yep. as a future, future item. Thanks for that on. No worries. Uh, any other items? Okay. So Ms. Hume, you have enough? We're good. Thank Go you. For okay, thank you. Okay, uh, we're now moving into closed session. However, I would suggest that we have a uh, five minute uh, get organized uh, time and uh, do that. So um, let's see, do we need, um, well, we'll come back in five minutes and somebody will make a motion to go in closed. How's that? Okay, so 7.07. Okay, um, I think uh, we're ready to adjourn. Uh, who would like to make that motion? Mr. Needham? 
since we missed you. Mr. Needham makes the motion to adjourn. All those in favor? Great. Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night, everyone. Hi, everyone. Good night, guys. Good chat. Good night, everybody. 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 Good night, everybody.